Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was productive. I hope it went accordingly. I hope it was everything it was meant to be. Um, huge shows last week. Uh, amazing dialogue. Great guests. Uh, perfect flow. Excellent rhythm. Everything you could want in a show. We never run out of things to talk about. We always resonate with one another. And we always have fantastic opinions that uh, definitely carry lots of weight and have lots of value. That's for sure. And I love how our program uh, addresses headlines and talks about stories that the mainstream media refuses to acknowledge or give much time to, if any time at all. So uh, it's always, uh, you know, an important thing. Uh, Like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You guys are fantastic. We are listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, TheNextNEXGenUSA.com. Also remember, next month, we will be launching our new 24-7 media network. Uh, Many notable names doing their own shows. Uh, My good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and my good friend, Robert Spencer, Jihad Watch, will be the two main faces of the site. And everybody knows both of those guys have millions and millions of followers and have been around for a long time. Very excited to bring them aboard. Um, and, yeah, this, this network you guys will fall in love with. I mean, it's, it's absolutely out of this world. Uh, we're raising a lot of money for it. And uh, I'll tell you, the people we have doing their own shows, uh, what a lineup. I've, I've been on calls with so many different people these last couple months about getting them on the network, and every single time it's positive feedback and so much interest. And like I said, we have 85% of these show slots already filled. So we have a 15% vacancy right now. So we're still going to fill up that last 15%. Uh, But, guys, yes, and as it gets closer, we'll be doing a lot of promos and different stuff like that, uh, hyping it up. So, and – Obviously, over the next week, I'll have more information, and I'll keep talking about it. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Very excited to share with all of you. God, what a weekend in the news. What a weekend. Uh, this, this whole Epstein thing, we're going to get into it uh, right away. Uh, I want to introduce our panel, of course. Uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and currently the Commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Brand. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm fantastic, Rory. And I missed you guys last week, that's for sure. Well, it's great to have you back, and um, I know you were dealing with some uh, uh, matters, some family crisis, and all my best to you. I hope everything's okay. Well, I appreciate that. I, I truly do, but you know, I, I got to say something, though. Joe Biden, he shed light <laughs> and he liberated my soul. You know, I'm a, I'm a college professor and I deal in facts. Everything has right. to be facts. Right. You know, so when we hear from the left about, 
you know, all, you know, all 120 different genders and all of this. And, you know, that's just <laughs> not fact-based. But Joe Biden just came out and he clarified it for everybody. We believe in truth, not Three facts. genders. <laughs> he said three and genders. Just like, and I'm like, what? <laughs> we've, well, actually, you know, I, I'm going all around the uh, the state talking about, uh, you know, opposing comprehensive sexuality education, and they actually list 120 genders, so <laughs> including cyborg. So when Joe Biden said we believe in truth, not facts, it was like liberating. It was like now I know where the left is coming from. Just make it up and believe it. That's that's all you have to do, man. And Dr. Branch, look how many errors he's had with his speech and slurring just in the last week. I can count probably almost 20 hiccups. This guy need, just needs to go enjoy his life. I mean, he's not with it. Well, he's not with it, and he's their front runner. That's what's <laughs> that's, that's the scary part, Rory. He's their yeah, front runner. It is. It is. It is. It really is. Uh, I also would like to welcome founder of Republicans United, founder of College Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeyper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing very well, Rory. I have a lot to be happy about, and I know how excited you get now when you uh, know that your group is expanding its, its influence in other countries and uh, I'm going on to other platforms, so uh, Nashville and I are doing very well. And, uh, you're cutting out a little bit, Kevin. Kevin, you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, I was just saying I'm really looking forward to another great show, and I hope my uh, reception's all right. But uh, Nashville tonight is doing really great going on to other platforms and other countries. Uh, so I have a lot to be happy about. Perfect. Uh, let's also welcome to the program uh, Second Amendment expert, pro-gun activist, um, entrepreneur, musician, commentator, activist, and best-selling author, Dan Walk. Dan, how are you? Hey Rory. Hey everyone. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, glad to uh, glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Great to have you here, Dan. As always. Thank you. Uh, I also would like to welcome to the program. I believe we have on. Let me see. Joe, are you with us? I sure am. Hey Joe, how are you? Um, great to have Good, you. Good man. How are you? Absolutely. Um, let's see. I believe I have Eddie. Eddie, are you with us? Yes, I am. Excellent. God, we got a full house tonight. This is awesome. Um, let's see here. I'm just getting the getting the phone lines all coordinated right now. Uh, let's see here. I believe right now I have retired police chief, homicide detective, and activist Michael Valsey. Michael, is that you? I'm here, Roy. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, my friend. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you back. So, everybody, I want to I want to obviously get into the main story. And it's this this entire Jeffrey Epstein situation. It's fascinating. It, it's it's every word you can think of. It's surprising, it's fascinating. It's mysterious. Kind of unfathomable. So, like, it's just out of this world that the reports that we are hearing and the the lack of consistency 
and all of the, you know, red flags that are drawn in this situation. This is, this is one of the biggest stories, I would say, I mean, considering who he knows and who he had connections with and who he was involved with, this may go down as one of the biggest stories of the decade. You had a guy who had inside information about people, uh, you know, he had inside information about people like Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, Kevin Spacey. I mean, you know, that's not really a shock, but um, all these different big-time people with money, even past politicians. Um, there was um, a guy named, I believe his name was Bill Richardson. He was the former governor of New Mexico. And then there was somebody else named in the report, actually multiple other politicians. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, for those that don't know, Jeffrey Epstein used, you know, this this sort of situation as an insurance policy, you know, having dirt on these people, having information on these people, if he ever needed anything to fall back on. Which, you know, in a lot of ways it's smart. You know, is it evil? And uh, is it – is it devious? Is it evil? Is it wrong? Sure. But, you know, these, these people, these high-end people like Bill Clinton and these other people, you know, I mean, they, they should not be surprised that this stuff is coming out. And if they are, they're stupid. You know, that they know that they're high-profile people. They, they know that, you know, everything they do in their life has consequences. It, ha- it has some sort of evidence. The truth always comes out. All these people want to be sneaky, want to do things behind closed doors, you know, what want to live this kind of life, and it only lasts for so long. And this, this whole, all of a sudden, one day after he turns in this report, exposing all these powerful people, he ends up dead. Imagine that. How convenient. How convenient. And they're saying, you know, the New York Post reported, among other uh, news outlets, that Jeffrey Epstein used a bed sheet to hang himself. Really? Because first he was on suicide watch where you don't get anything close to uh, – you, you wouldn't even get anything that would allow you to come close to hanging yourself. And the sheets are like toilet paper. They don't allow you to hang yourself and hold that kind of weight. But here's the thing. What's the real story? One minute we hear he was on suicide watch, and then they retract and say, oh, at the time of his death, he was not on suicide watch. So what is it? And notice when that story came out that he was not on suicide watch at the time of his death, that didn't come out right away. That, that came out after hours, maybe a day because of all the backlash. There's something not right here. You had Jeffrey Epstein in good spirits a few days before he died, a day before he died. And he even told people a couple weeks ago that somebody tried to kill him. And he never tried to kill himself. That was the story. Somebody attacked him and tried to kill him. So, 
you know, they, and all these unanswered questions, you know, these prison guards, look at all these red flags. The prison guard skipped mandatory checks, hours, didn't check on him for hours. No camera footage, really? And the autopsy, they need more information. What more information do you need? I thought it was suicide. Come on, people. I mean, you know what? For the first time, looks like the Democrats and the Republicans actually agree on something, at least most of us, that this, somebody killed this guy. There is no way that one of the most high-profile suspects, you know, would get away with hanging himself. Too many unanswered questions, too many things the, the government officials want from him. I mean, let's face it. He probably has novels and novels of dirt on people. And who even knows if he's dead? I'm not even sure if he's dead, because I'll tell you why. So many red flags. Again, they carried his body out without covering it. Why would they carry a body out of a building without it being covered? That's unprofessional. That's not proper protocol. And another thing, they compared the body that was coming out of the building with pictures of him, different nose, different ears, different jawline, different hairline. There is something not right here. The only thing, other thing I can think of is he's in the witness protection program. The only other thing I can think of. Because it just, it does not add up, people. And I know that, you know, these guards were working overtime and, you know, they were short on staff, but that's no excuse. You still have to do your job, hence why you're working overtime. And don't forget, don't forget about Jeffrey Epstein's cellmate leaving the night before, supposed, you know, when he, the night before he supposedly hung himself. And it's protocol that you have to have a roommate where Epstein was. So why did they break protocol? Why did they break the rules? Why? You know, this is, and here's another weird thing. They decided to raid Pedophile Island today. Why would they raid it today? Why wouldn't they have raided it a month ago when they arrested him? It, ask yourself that question. Just think about it. Jeffrey Epstein has so much money and so many connections, he could have done stuff behind closed doors to have somebody go cover stuff up on cover stuff up on Pedophile Island, one of his associates, and then the FBI wouldn't have found shit. Let's just say a hypothetical, you know, Jeffrey Epstein was going to be alive and around and was going to fight this case. So I, I really think there's a lot of unanswered questions. And, you know, Bill Barr said today, any co-conspirators, anybody involved with this situation is not going to get off scot-free. There's going to be a deep investigation and people are going to be held accountable. Here he is, 1-5. Before I begin, I'd like to briefly address news from the Manhattan Correctional Center over the weekend regarding Jeffrey Epstein. This sex trafficking case was very important to the Department of Justice and to me personally. It was important to the dedicated prosecutors in the Southern District of New York and to our FBI agents who investigated the case and were preparing it for trial. Most importantly, 
this case was important to the victims who had the courage to come forward and deserve the opportunity to confront the accused in the courtroom. I was appalled, and indeed the whole department was, and frankly, angry to learn of the MCC's failure to adequately secure this prisoner. We are now learning of serious irregularities at this facility that are deeply concerning and demand a thorough investigation. The FBI and the Office of Inspector General are doing just that. We will get to the bottom of what happened, and there will be accountability. But let me assure you that this case will continue on against anyone who was complicit with Epstein. Any co-conspirators should not rest easy. The victims deserve justice, and they will get it. So there you have it. I mean, people are going to be held accountable. Um, and let's not forget, you know, who the Clintons are. You know, there, there, could, there could be a lot of things that happen with this situation. You know, let's, assuming he's dead. You know, the Clintons could have been involved with it. You know, don't forget about people like Vince Foster, Seth Rich. Clintons are responsible for hundreds of people going missing and getting murdered. It's called the Clinton body count. And think about how much dirt. Epstein had on Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton banging little kids. It's wrong. It's terrible. This whole pedophilia bullshit that these politicians and these elites are so into, it's disgraceful. So there are things to think about. You know, we can't be naive. The government lies to us. We're not conspiracy theorists. We're concerned citizens that aren't getting all the facts. That's what it is. Um, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me now? Okay, fantastic. Something that really concerns me is the international implications of this. For instance, Prince Andrew and that. Uh, You know, because, you know, I I agree with you. There's a lot of of possibilities, and this doesn't pass the smell test, as they say. And when you look at the fact that the lowest form of life – in any jail is a person that attacks a child and is a child predator. So, you know, he was required to have a roommate. He was required, he was supposed to be on that suicide watch. He was required to be observed and he wasn't. Uh, And this is probably the highest profile case Manhattan has had in decades. And yet they let this happen. Um, there's international implications of this, and to me, it doesn't pass the smell test. And, you know, I'm really concerned. You know, you, uh, Bill Barr says we will get to the bottom of this, but I'm really concerned uh, if we truly will with this one. I am too. I am too. And, you know, if somebody's on suicide watch, you know, they don't, they basically get nothing in their cell. So, and you know, I at this point, I really don't know if he was or what if, if he was or was not on suicide watch because they changed their story so often. The media at first they told us he was, and then they had to retract. I, I don't know what to believe, Doctor Branch. 
Well, and neither do I. Um, you know, I, I would conclude that he was probably murdered. Um, right. However, you know, uh, and, you know, to me, it just, because of the international uh, echo throughout this with, with the foreign mm-hmm. diplomats, with, with uh, the royal family involved, you know, like yeah. Princess Di's killing, you know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the thing is that I don't know if we'll get to the bottom of this. I, I really don't. I look forward to hearing what the rest of the panel thinks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's go to uh, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, I want to uh, make clear that I would like to officially denounce everything I said about the Clintons. They're very, very fine people. Uh, they would never kill anyone, including myself. Um, and they, uh, they've done so much for the people around the world. Um, that's not a scheme, the Clinton Foundation at all. Um, and the Clintons have zero correlation. Are, okay, are they not listening now? Okay, so I think <laughs> personally that um, this, is, this is really, really weird. And I think, and, and I think you're right, Rory. The Democrats and Republicans are somewhat agreeing on this, that this is really weird. Um, there's yeah. a lot of questions that need to be answered. I'm, you know, I'm glad that the attorney general is actually interfering in this and, and, and put out a statement. This is just so, like, I, I'm even confused. And, like, I have my, my assumptions and I guess you can say my theories, and there's plenty of really funny memes coming out of this, but – I think that we need to further push and not give up on this. Because what I've seen in the past from both the left and the right is that when there's an issue that occurs, we fight for about a week, and then it disappears. And I think we need to continually fight this before the Clintons make any more damage. They're the most corrupt politicians I have ever seen. They're probably the most corrupt politicians of this entire country's history. So we need to put an end to this. We need to find out what Epstein truly, truly has, what evidence he has, uh, like you said, what dirt he has against a lot of people. We need to find that, and we need to bring these people to custody. Human trafficking is one of the most disgusting crimes anyone can commit. Anyone. And anyone that involves himself with such uh, with someone like that deserves to rot in jail for the rest of their lives. Yeah, right. You're you're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right. Um, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. All right. I hope my reception is working. All right. Do you hear me? Better. All right. All right. So, anyways, it's very proof uh, in the pudding right here that uh, justice is not being served. It's only being used against the innocent. What we have right here is a system that is not quickly enough charging uh, the criminals that have been, you know, we have proof that Epstein is uh, guilty and we're trying to bring this pedophile ring down, but of course uh, no one's going to get convicted because of what just happened, and it's, it's really telling considering how much dirt he has on the whole system, because that's how the mob works. They create all this blackmail on uh, political figures and they use that blackmail against them in order to advance their own very globalistic very leftist agenda and all in the meanwhile uh what we're having right now is we have uh everyday citizens you and me and 
the rest of us Republicans are getting uh, targeted, you know, by the IRS, by all these, um, you know, political uh, targeting schemes uh, against us from social media. We're getting our bank accounts sh- shut down, and um, the leaders right now, especially. But uh, it's it's really the case where it, it doesn't even matter about how much, um, you know, we are able to find proof on these actual criminals. Uh, they're not seeking justice and both the left and the right are seeing it right now and we're seeing how it's the especially the media who will not see the facts of this situation or or anything that's uh, conspiratorial there's a very definite reason why the fbi had uh declared earlier last week that conspiracies are now you know a targeted threat uh, to the system they, they will not permit uh anyone to say anything against the the media narrative and all these Big tech and big media groups are uh, protecting the, their their system and their narrative, and you know, all the meanwhile, no one's getting getting charged. So I think it's a, a very horrible horrible system that uh, it needs to be brought down by by any means. Because truly, I think the justice system is only being used against the innocent, and the the guilty are getting off scot free. You're absolutely right, and you know, <clears throat> I'm really I'm really sick of the government. Uh, constantly lying to us. I mean, it's, it's over and over. I mean, the, the, we don't get straight answers. You know, look at all the many examples of unanswered questions and several facts that don't add up. Las Vegas shooting, 9-11, this Jeffrey Epstein situation, Seth Rich, Vince Foster. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's scary. It really is scary what we're dealing with. Uh, Dan Walk, Dan, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Well, from what I gathered with this, uh, Attorney General Barr really seemed uh, genuinely pissed off. I mean, when I watched him, you know, speaking, he seemed like he was pissed off. Wouldn't it be great if we could actually once and for all start taking down some of these corrupt people, you know, and what if Barr and, you know, with President Trump, uh, you know, encouraging him to really go after um, this story and really go after this investigation, find out who the people were involved. I mean, it'd just be fantastic to finally clean up, you know, the the swamp, so to speak. Um, I wonder if there are any other witnesses that weren't involved in any of the, um, I guess, uh, you know, illegal activity at the island, if there were any other people that know who was there, who was, you know, what was going on, and if, if there are other people who could be witnesses other than um, Epstein, uh, that would be interesting to know. And, I mean, like right now, I just think we have a chance. We really do have a chance to make things better and hold some of these um, scoundrels, you know, accountable because of the administration that we have right now. So I would love to see it. I don't know what you guys think, if, if it's actually going to happen or not, but wouldn't it be great to see them lining up in, uh, you know, with a ball and chain all in, all in a row? I mean, and yeah, and what, what do you, Dan, you know, you, you've done a lot of different things with, you know, uh, with like law enforcement and stuff. What do you think about the possibility he's in witness protection? Well, I don't know much about that, so I don't want to comment too much. And 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 I haven't been. I was never in law enforcement, but uh, I I really don't know. I would just. 
I got. Well, I do have a lot of friends, and I and I I I have a lot of friends in law enforcement, and but um, I really would just be speculating. It would be, it'd be kind of cool. And you know, the stuff you were saying about about his facial features and stuff, I saw those things too, and and it did look kind of different. So then you try to play devil's advocate, and you try to say, well, after somebody dies, does their face, you know, take different shape, and does their skin Mm -hmm. and their flesh change and stuff? But um, but I don't know. I, I I was questioning it, you know question it myself <laughs> so <laughs> it's just i i really hope that Barr is on this and uh, along with the um the, the investigation that will ultimately should ultimately lead to hillary and obama with the fisa warrants and all that stuff um i'd love mm-hmm. to see both these stories really get uh, investigated to their to their end, to the end, and find out who 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 did what and and hold them accountable for it. Because I tell you what, if that happened, um, people, real Americans, would really you know breathe a, a, a breath of you know you know fresh air and 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 really know that our justice system works, and mm-hmm. we would uh, you know would be able to uh, we just feel safer. I think in this country, knowing that. Um, criminals will be prosecuted, and and, and um, so so that so that's my thought on it. It's a, it's a tough one. It's it's we don't know a whole lot, and yeah. um, it does look very suspicious. And I just hope that Barr is on it and he pushes through to the end. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> my, Michael Valsey, uh you're you're a retired police chief, and you you've been an investigator, and you you've probably seen everything in your years of law enforcement. What do you what do you make of this situation? Well, I was shocked when I heard the news to tell you the truth. I mean, I wasn't Me really too. shocked because I knew the attempt. I mean, but to have it happen, I mean, kind of shocked me. But I have some some thoughts on this. You know, having been in law enforcement, I mean, it was not uncommon for somebody to commit suicide while in custody. However, it's uncommon, very uncommon for somebody to commit suicide while in custody, if there was any inkling at all that that person had suicidal tendencies. So they were not only checked on all the time, but they didn't have some of the amenities that other prisoners had. And I have to believe that was probably the case here. But as you mentioned, you know, there was a whole lot of prominent people that didn't want him around anymore. And with him gone, let's suppose this being the premise, you know, the, the hope was to probably stop further people from coming forward. I have a little bit different take on, in, on what might have happened here. Just based on some of these events and some of the statements that I've read since this happened, one is Epstein was preparing to st- turn state's witness, okay? That doesn't mean he already didn't turn state's witness. Then they raid the island. If he had not given them permission by turning state's witness, right, then anything they would find on that island would be inadmissible, okay? Search warrant or not, because they've already been to that island before. They went to this island looking in a specific place, I believe. The feds have been on that island before. This is not new news. So with that in mind, You know, with those events, I believe that there's a good possibility that he's probably in the witness protection program. I'm not saying that's a fact, 
but I'm saying that certain things have to happen to qualify to even be considered for witness protection, and one of them would be you've turned state's witness, which qualifies you as being eligible to be in the witness protection program. So I wouldn't rule that out by any any stretch of the imagination. And then I guess my final point would be, if you understand Trump's presidency since the beginning and you look at the amount of human and child trafficking arrests that have been made, it's been a steady barrage of arrests in the thousands and thousands, right? So many child trafficking rings broken up from Nexium uh, to the Epstein thing from I mean, there's just so much that uh, it seems like the president has pretty much dedicated himself to just putting an end to this. I can't believe you're going to let one of the biggest guys get murdered in prison. So I kind of believe that uh, this is not lost by any means. Uh, And if, in fact, he is deceased, he did turn state's witness. That's the other thing that Barr said was he still encouraged victims to come forward. So I I look for positive things on this in the future and, and maybe more positive than most of us or the media would like. And let let's say hypothetically, you know, he let let's just say for for because we don't know what happened, but let's just say he did commit suicide. That would be the first suicide in forty years in that jail. This jail is one of the most high-security places. How, how does this happen? I mean, they're, they're watching these people every second, and even doctors were saying that there's no way if he was off suicide watch, he should have been because it was only within a week or two of, of him, you know, supposedly trying to kill himself and failed at it. But they don't just take you off. It, something's weird here. There's so many things that don't yeah. add up. I mean, don't you think? Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Once you're once you're listed as a potential suicide threat, that never gets off. It never comes off until you're adjudicated in court and you go on to the next stage or whatever, and then you're reevaluated. But once you're in that that particular holding facility, no, you're on seal suicide watch from the get go. There's no lifting that off. We know there was uh, attempts on his life. We do know that. You know, and the one was just so obvious because he files for that motion, right, uh, to be able to post bond and be released, right, pending uh, trial. Why would right. you try to commit suicide on the same day that that, that happened without knowing what exactly. the result of that would be? You know, I mean, a lot of this stuff doesn't add up, and uh, I don't think anybody was expecting that news that, that he hung himself in jail, and I'd like you said that it's you're not going to hang yourself with those bed sheets. Uh, they're not going to happen. They're, they're like newspaper. They, they'll tear before you put any weight on them. So I, I, I just think this has been, a, this has been the uh, hallmark of the Trump presidency is to put an end to this stuff. And I, and I, I got a feeling that there's, there's probably a good chance that they either have already had all the information from him they needed or he's in the witness protection program and we haven't heard the last of him. So, wait, 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 wait. You think if he is in the witness protection program, you think we'll hear from him again? Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But uh, what, what's the yeah, role think... on that? Because you were in law enforcement. I, I thought you can't have any contact with your old life. 
Well, you can. Uh, you, they can use you for what they need to use you for, and then they change your identity and send you off to Neverland or something somewhere, right? But, uh, yeah, you you can still provide information. That we're yeah. in the okay. The wow. So, so how long? How long do you think? Until, if you had to give an estimate, you think within a few years? Well, if he is alive, you think we'll hear from him? Well, I think it's as these things start to play out. You know, things are happening. We know things are happening. We know that there's some right. arrests coming. Uh, we know those things are are in the works. I just right. I think it depends on how far this thing is going to go and how much they actually need to use it. And if he's laid it yeah. all out, that would be the only thing I, I could think of. They've been to that island before, and they've already searched it many times. It seems to me they went to a specific place on that island looking for something specific. They would have only knew it was there if they hadn't only gotten it from him. So that that's kind right. of my thoughts on it. Uh, I think as, we, yeah. as more information comes out, uh, you know, the media – I mean, the media – they obviously wanted him gone. I mean, you know, they're playing this up. That's the why you see that both sides agree on this, you know, trying to get to the bottom of it. It's a dog and pony show on the side of the left. It is. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, very well said. Uh, let's go to Eddie in Texas, and I'm going to take a commercial, and we're going to introduce our special guest, Steve Gruber. But Eddie in Texas, quick thoughts. Go ahead. Well, um, initially, I want to say on the, over the weekend um, – See, it's kind of weird what happened with Epstein because um, just last Sunday we had these tragedies, the shootings that went on. But then for some reason, the media, for some odd reason, they pivoted to Jeffrey Epstein. Like literally 24 hours later, Epstein, Epstein, Epstein. My thoughts, really, it feels like we're in some kind of movie because – it almost seems like, and just like looking at just just by looking at the comparisons uh, when it comes to his body, um, and then when it comes to him committing suicide, when I when I when they said when I saw a newspaper that he committed suicide, I'm like, I didn't even know what suicide watch was until I found out what it was, and then it's I asked myself, well, if he committed suicide, how is that even possible he committed suicide? So, really, at the end of the day, um, I mean, <laughs> it just kept keeps getting weirder and weirder, and it's like, I mean, all of this is, and the fact that Epstein is linked to all these high-profile people, like you mentioned, Prince, uh, Prince Andrew, Bill Richardson, uh, to Bill Clinton. I mean, I, I mean, these things are keep getting bizarre, but that's just my opinion. Like, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a crazy time. It really is a crazy time right now. Um, everybody, we will be right back with Steve Gruber. Stay with us, everybody. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. 
we bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X, gen, G-E-N, U-S-A, dot com. And also remember, in a month, I will be releasing my new 24-7 network. Uh, many notable people doing their own shows. And my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. Very excited to share it with all of you. And like I said, I will be having more and more announcements in, in about probably a week or so. There will be more details. So stay tuned, everybody. And I apologize on the delay, uh, but uh, we, uh, we're working on it, and uh, we have everything figured out. So I, I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, I do want to welcome I do want to welcome to a show um, very, very successful guy, very popular guy, award-winning syndicated talk show host, journalist, and lobbyist, Steve Gruber. Steve, welcome to the show. Rory, good to have you. Good to be here. Glad to be here. Absolutely, my friend. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And like I do with all my guests when they first call in, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me how it all started for you. Give me a little bit of your bio, you know, uh, all the different adventures, the, the, the different roads you've been down. It's uh, been quite the life for you. Been a lot of places, Rory, no question. I, you know, I, I do this because I can't hold down a real job. I'm a lousy employee. You know, people, you know, I'm just be honest. I like working for myself. Uh, let's be straight. Too, I like doing that. I've been, um, doing it, I've been doing it my whole life. Exactly. You know, I, I grew up in the back roads of Michigan. Uh, grew up, uh, my mother was a school teacher, fifth grade, taught me the love of the English language, which is a dying language, but I try to protect it every day. 
My dad worked for Dow Chemical as a pharmaceutical rep. So for all the big pharma haters, ease up. Uh, you know, I paid the bills when I was a kid and uh, took care of a lot of folks. So that was the science of my life. So we had science in my life and the English language in my life. And uh, the common sense just came from running the back roads of Michigan and learning, you know, what you learn when you're a kid when you're 12 and 14 years old, messing around in the summer and not having television and devices to burn your brain up. We actually went out and played with frogs and went fishing and, and learned about the world around us. And that's where, the, that's where the value and the common sense comes from, just practical application of, you know, if you do this, it hurts. Well, I got an idea. Don't do that. Uh, you know, that's sort of, you know, obvious common sense thinking is what applies to everything we've done since. Now, since then, I worked for uh, television news. I was a, an on-air reporter, investigative reporter, worked for NBC News at one time. Forgive me for that, if you don't mind. Um, but I got a big dose of common sense about 20 years ago and decided that the newsroom was not just a cesspool, but a shallow cesspool. And I wanted to do something more meaningful. So I created my own company. Um, I went filming around the world. I hunted and fished all over the world for Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's Channel and a lot of these adventure television uh, programs. Still do a bit of that. Uh, had the opportunity to see uh, numerous countries around the world. Had, to, had the opportunity to see what poverty looked like up close and personal. So when you hear about poverty in America, I can assure you it's not like poverty in South Africa. It's not like poverty in the in the poor and tough parts of Mexico here in America. It's just it's a different sort of thing. So I had a pretty good uh, explanation of what the world was like, and I learned a lot. And then I came back and was offered an opportunity seven years ago to to do a radio program, to take over a radio program that was um, on a network that was in trouble, MTN. And we started with four stations. We've now got dozens of stations, created a news uh, platform as well for radio news broadcast, do a whole variety of things now, uh, along with my wife and executive producer, Ivy. We, uh, we have a good time. We've, in, we've uh, had the opportunity to interview the president, the vice president, a lot of other notables, and, and make it to your show tonight, Rory. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I love it, man. I, lo- I love your story. I, I, you know, I, it, you've interviewed the president? It's true. Yeah, it's true. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? Tell, tell the audience about that. I'm sure that was probably the most surreal experience of your life. Well, you know, it happened on a very fateful day. It happened on the 8th of November, 2016. And we had worked for a long time uh, building the brand. And we had talked to Eric and we had talked to Don Jr. We had had all the surrogates come and we had Mike uh, Pence show up on Friday. And then the day before the election, we had worked hard, you know, to, to ask for the interviews. And we had met and worked and talked to so many different people. And I say, I say that, but Ivy had really done all the legwork there. And the day before the election, we're driving down the road, and Ivy gets a phone call, and she gets a funny look on her face, and she looks at me, and she goes, we got him. I said, oh, we did not. She goes, no, we got him. And so at 7.30 on election morning, the phone rang, and it was Donald Trump. We spoke to him for about 10 minutes. You go back and find it online. On the day he was elected in, and in Michigan, he won by 10,704 votes, and, and Pete Hoekstra who is now the ambassador to the Netherlands and being considered for the uh, director of national intelligence is a friend of ours. And he, he called us uh, the day after the election and said, guys, you're the ones that, you know, helped push this over the finish line. You know, it was just 10,704 votes. Uh, everything made a difference, but we have 25 stations in Michigan. And, you know, so as long as they think that that um, was the, the closer the, the cinch on the deal, we're pretty pleased with that. And anyhow, we had a great conversation with the president. I've gone back and listened to it many times. 
I think poor Ivy was going to pass out due to you know just sheer anxiety, but it all worked out great. It was it was good fun, and and, uh, and I think we're about to have him again. I mean, it just we're about that point. We're getting all the surrogates. Uh, Michigan is the epicenter where I live is the epicenter of the political world right now. I mean, you, you see the people coming in here. Obviously, they just had the debates in, in Detroit with the Democratic candidates, but the University of Michigan is also on the short list for one of the for one of the presidential debates uh, for 2020. And I don't see how the University of Michigan would get overlooked. I mean, everything – I mean, the New York Times and Bloomberg and several other outlets have written recently, and I mean in the last the 10 days, that every road to the White House in 2020 runs right straight through the middle of Michigan. And it should. And it should because in, in 2016, make no mistake, it was every day uh, salt of the earth, working class, middle Americans yep. that made it happen in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and North Carolina and the panhandle of Florida. Those are the places that sent Donald Trump to the White House. And they will do it again. All of this noise and all of this nonsense and all these stories you're hearing – um, put that aside. The economy in Michigan yeah. is the best it's been in 25 years. Uh, Ohio is, is rock solid on board. Wisconsin, they're, they're a little weak right now, but, but give them a chance. They've got a radically left governor in there right now uh, that they're sick of already. Pennsylvania, same thing. And when people come out like Joe Biden and say, well, we're going to get rid of the, all the fossil fuels, really? I wonder how the folks in Pennsylvania feel about that. Yeah, don't forget, right. you know, Michigan produces a significant amount of natural gas and, and fossil fuels. And there's a war in Michigan right now over this thing called Line 5, which connects the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. It's about a six-mile crossing of the Straits of Mackinac. There's this pipeline down there. And Enbridge, giant energy company out of Canada, offered $500 million to build a state-of-the-art engineering project to build a tunnel under the Straits of Mackinac so there would never be any issue about transferring propane, natural gas, oil across the entire region. And the radical new attorney general in the state of Michigan, and I mean radical, said, no, we're going to shut that down anyway. Doesn't realize that if that happens, there'll be no jet fuel to fly out of Detroit Metro Airport. Uh, Several refineries in northern Ohio would basically have to shut down uh, the damaging effects financially to Wisconsin and Ontario. Our friends to the north here in Canada also would be devastated by that kind of radical behavior. And trust me, the working people in the upper Midwest and the Great Lakes, they can see that for what it is, Rory, and they know that won't happen, not on their watch. And I would tell you today, if the, if the election were held today, Donald Trump mm-hmm. would win by a wider margin, not only in Michigan, but in America, because he would also win New Hampshire. He would also win Nevada. He'd have a shot at Minnesota. There'll be some changes coming up in 2020. Market. And, you know, talk about, obviously talk about the significance. I mean, you know, it's, with him winning Michigan in 2016, you know, he, the reason he did that, he worked for it. You know, he campaigned in Michigan, different cities in Michigan, sometimes three, four times a day. Uh, He never stopped. You know, he always made sure to, to let everyone know that he was with them and that he was going to fight for them. And, uh, you know, Hillary took it for granted, which is why it flipped. And, you know, talk, talk about how huge that was for your state. I mean, that, that was a big part of history because, we saw how Obama won Michigan, and you know how it was. It was well, Rory, let, me, let me let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I don't know how old you are, but I know that the president. I'm 20, 28, 28. There you go. All right. So the president's you know forty five years older than you are. Rough math, right? He's twenty five years older than I am. This guy out hustles, out works everybody. 
people half his age or a yep. third of his age can't keep up. I, I, dare, I, know. I dare Joe Biden to try to keep up with this guy. Good luck, Joe. It's it's not just Sleepy Joe. It's bumbling Joe and all his gas, and we might talk about that stuff, but no big deal. But here in Michigan, did he hustle? My God, he was here. It was his last campaign stop was in Michigan in 2016, right. and, it, and, it, and it, it went from Monday night into uh, Tuesday morning. He wasn't done until about 1.30 a.m. on election morning that he wrapped up his last yeah. rally in Grand Rapids. Here's a guy that at the time is 70 years old, right, or 71, whatever. Now he's 73. Yeah. And he's out there, you know, just, just burning it at both ends, hustling all the way across the country. Hillary's asleep somewhere dreaming about, you know, how she's going to decorate the Lincoln bedroom or, or, or some yeah. nonsense. And he's actually out talking to people and earning their vote at the last minute, and it, and it all paid off for him. And that's what it takes because people realize in America, at least most of us still do, that it's about hard work and work ethic and getting the job done. And 90% of life is showing up. You're not, you're not deserving of something just because you think you have some birthright or you waited long enough or it's your turn or some other such nonsense. No, you've got to get up every day, break a sweat, bust your ass, and make it happen. That's what America is. It's about the individual getting in there, rolling up their sleeves, uh, nose to the, to the grindstone, shoulder to the wheel, and let's make something happen today. That's the America that I grew up in on the back roads of Michigan, and that's the America that Donald Trump existed in because you know, they can say all they want about how he inherited money from his father, which, by the way, is perfectly acceptable, and I will give to my children as I see fit too. But he took whatever he got, and he didn't turn it into, you know, into zero. He turned it into multiples of what he started with, no matter how he got there. And the fact of the matter is that takes hard, hard, hard work. Do you think it's easy yep. being a developer in New York City? Good grief, people. Get a, get a grip. And, and think about all the jobs and opportunity he created. Well, you know, he had some bankruptcies, Rory, along the way. And so what? Every successful, wildly successful person that you read about had major setbacks in their life. It's exactly. not how you start. It's how you finish. Right. And, you know, it, it, he is like a robot. He, he is a profound machine that we have never seen before. This guy is something straight cyborg. out of the Bible. Dude, yeah, he's a he's cyborg. He's something straight, straight out of the Bible. The way the, – everything he does – like, you know, I've really thought in, in strong detail about this and really have gone into deep thought. And think about what Trump's doing for us. He's taking all the punches. He's taking all the insults. You know, he, he's not letting the, 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 the swamp or the deep state get to us. He's protecting us every step of the way. I mean, this is, this is like Messiah-like. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, what Jesus, had to, what Jesus did is he took the punches. You know, he, he, he protected us. You know, he, he, he is, it's like Trump is, is sacrificing himself for, our, for, for us. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anybody put this much dedication into helping people. And, and not only is he saving this country, he's saving the entire world, man. Well, you know what's insane about it? And what's insane when you watch the, the, the old school media, the mainstream media, whatever you want to call them. Right. And you look at right. how the Russian narrative, Russia, 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 it all, it all failed. And so now they've shifted right. to it, it, it was Russia. Now it's racism. Now this, they're going to flog this dog as long as they can. Racism, race, you're a racist. Everything's right. You know, any word you use now, there's an infestation of rats. Racist. 
I'm sorry, when did rodents become a symbol of racism when you know damn well that places like Baltimore and other major cities have these problems with overrunning of rodents and so forth? Are cockroaches also some sort of a racist symbol we should know about? Are, are, are mosquitoes some sort of racist symbol? That's the nonsense. And trust me, clear-thinking people that live where I live and live in places like I live all the way across this country know that this is all garbage. I talk to, to Democrats every day, and I, and I say – Democrats, and I mean old school Democrats, John Kennedy Democrats, people that are 45 years of, of age or older, the older demographic, right. mainstream Democrats that are like, right. I don't recognize and he my would party. I don't know if who these people are. Alive today, he would align with Trump's policies. Well, he wouldn't align with the Democratic Party today, that's for damn sure. And you look at these people, and I talk to them every day, Rory, and I'm sure you do too. You, you talk to, to old school Democrats, and they say, I yeah. don't recognize There's no party. I don't know who these people They're, are. Yeah, their party has gone so far left that the moderates are like, okay, well, I'd rather be with Trump than have communism, even though these moderates don't agree with everything Trump does. They'll bite their tongue with the stuff they disagree with. Because it's a hell of a lot better than communism, you know? And the old school Democrats well, you know, are not in. Yeah, go ahead. Here's the biggest problem for Democrats right now. I'm going to tell you this as, yeah. for, for ones that I talk to. Um, and they look at Joe Biden. They say, okay, so this guy is the leader. And I say to him, tell me about Joe Biden. Are you fired up? And they go, eh, well, <laughs> yeah. he's okay. He's all right. right. And I'm like, really? That's it? He's okay? He's all right? This is the guy you're investing it all in? He's okay? He's all right? He's boring. And these people have no excitement. They have zero investment. They don't buy it at all. They don't buy him at all. Period. Yeah, and, you know, there really, there really isn't a candidate on the left that is getting a lot of enthusiasm from its crowd. I mean – you know, I mean, Elizabeth Warren, I guess, has a little bit of an advantage with her party right now, with the people in her party, because she's so far left, and that's what a lot of the the, the, the voters uh, want in that party, because obviously the moderates have left that party. But, you know, I, I don't know at this point. I just don't think there's a, uh, you know, I, I couldn't stand the guy, but at least Barack Obama had a lot of fans, and a lot of people jumped up to go vote for him. I couldn't stand him. That's but right. No Democrat, he had no Democrat right you're, now you're has exactly that right. appeal. You know enthusiasm. what I mean? Yeah, he brought enthusiasm. Now, I didn't, I didn't like his policies. I didn't like who he brought uh, to this table with him, who I felt were also radical leftists. But he had enthusiasm. Rob. People were going, I'm voting for Barack Obama because I like he does this and this, or I like him for this. You say Joe Biden, and they're like, eh, there's no enthusiasm. There's no buy-in. It's like, well, if I have to, I will. That doesn't win elections. You know that. So I spoke to Steve Bannon at length here just recently. Somebody else who's been on the program with me a couple of different times recently. And Bannon said something that's resonant. In fact, I heard him saying it again over the weekend. And that is the person that's going to be the dominee for the Democrat Party hasn't announced yet. Now, he doesn't know who it is. He says it could be Michael Bloomberg. I think it could be Howard Schultz. But he comes back to you. He thinks Hillary Clinton's going to get back in this thing. And wouldn't that be a hoot? Wouldn't that be fun for all the boys and girls? But he said the fact of the matter is uh, what you have now, whether it's Joe Biden who's boring and gaff, you know, is a gaff machine, or you've got Elizabeth Warren who, sure, she can go toe-to-toe and she's getting some excitement and she's got some money coming in. She can't win on a national stage. She's a radical far-left Democrat professor who lied about who she is over and over and over for personal gain, and she'll never get away from that. She is Pocahontas. 
She doesn't have to like it, but she does have to own it because it's hung around her neck, and that's who she is. She lied for decades for personal gain to get into places like Harvard to get a teaching position. Everybody knows it. We've got her signature on pieces of paper lying about her ethnic heritage for personal gain and profit. That's the way that is. She can't win anywhere in this right. country except maybe her home state of Massachusetts. And speaking speaking of corruption, what do you what do you make? I haven't asked you yet. We were talking about it in the opening segment, but what do you make of this in, entire Epstein situation? Good God! All right, it's the second suicide in forty one years. Hello, uh, the the exactly. most the most uh, notable inmate to be held in federal protection in long. This is the same jail that held El Chapo. They didn't have a problem with El Chapo, but this guy is able to get himself killed. And I just saw something cross the wire just minutes ago, uh, that the, the jailer that was watching him isn't the regular jailer. It's some fill-in guy. Well, gee, isn't that convenient? And everything's irregular, and the timing's not right. And you talk to people who actually spent time in the Manhattan Correctional Center, and they will tell you the sheets are paper thin. They don't hold a 200-pound man. There's nothing to attach yourself to. The beds are short. They're, they're uh, right on the floor. Now, I heard that he was tied off to a, to a bunk bed. I don't know about that, but his roommate was moved. Unusual thing. His uh, regular uh, jailer, the regular guy doing the night shift, uh, a fill-in guy, not the guy that's normally there. Really? Who is this guy? I don't know. It looks like Hillary Clinton. Who knows who it is? Anyhow, the point being is I'm not a conspiracy guy, Rory. Not really my side of the street. But something here smells terribly. In fact, I put out a video on Saturday morning. I saw that across my phone. Nine o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, same as everybody else. I looked at it, and the first thing that wasn't the first thing you thought about, Rory, it's the same thing everybody else thought about. I thought about Clinton. Bought I got Bill Clinton. Yeah, you know, exactly what I thought about. So, and, and so did everybody else. And so I put out a video. I said, "This doesn't make any sense. This isn't possible. The impossible just happened." And I said, "Wait till they tell you there's no video." And guess what? There's no video. No video. I called that hours <laughs> ahead of time. Put a tape out. How convenient. <laughs> I mean, Scott, yeah. every sign points to the cover-up. I mean, it's, it, it's ridiculous. It, it's crazy. Um, there's, you know, there's and, no and what, I mean, and I don't know what to make of it. Who's involved here? I don't know. What's going on? I don't know. Will we ever actually know? Probably not. And if we do get told, how many of us will believe it? Well, I mean, the conspiracy theories are going to vary and last forever now, Rory, because they left it in such a mess. I mean, how can you trust any of these people? You can't trust the New York Times. You can't trust the Washington Post. You can't trust ABC, NBC, or CBS. They've all been caught so many times uh, either manufacturing news or lying about what's actually going on. You can't trust them when you do find something out. I mean, it's just that's why 75% of the American public does not trust the media because they've lied to us so many times and done things that are so blatantly irresponsible when they are covering stories that people just look at them and go, I don't trust that. So if they come out and say, well, this is what happened and Jeffrey Epstein was killed because of X, Y, and Z, people are going to go, uh-uh, wrong answer. You know, I just, I just, it's just, it's, that's a problem in America today. The, the press in America, uh, like the New York Times changing its headline here a few days ago, when Trump called for unity and they, 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 they bow to the Twitter mob, that destroys credibility. You don't get that back. It'll take a, if you ever get it back, it will take a generation. That's not something that heals itself in a day or two. That is permanent, long-term, systemic destruction that's self-inflicted. And that's what's wrong with the media today. They believe they know what's best. 
They believe they're smarter than you and I, Rory, and they believe they should be able to tell us what we're supposed to think and how we should think and how we should behave and how we should do everything. And the media has become part of the problem and part of the mob. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Very well said. And, you know, obviously we're going to know more in the coming days, at least I hope. But what do you, what do you predict? Um, what do you think some of the stuff that's going to come out? Well, here's what I do think is going to come out. Uh, as you know, the FBI raided Pedophile Island or whatever they call it, you know, the, the, the destination yeah. for the Lolita Express. Uh, I believe the right. FBI is still on site there. Apparently, and this comes from a lot of different sources that I've read, and you've probably seen the same thing. Apparently, there's some big safe on Lolita Island there. And, well, now that Jeffrey Epstein is deceased, the indications are, from law enforcement I talked to, he must have given permission or turned state evidence. I heard your guest talking about that earlier. Because all of a sudden, they're all down there. You know, the day after he de- he's dead, they're all down there because they've got reason to believe that something in that safe, which is more valuable than money, is in there. And what's more valuable than money are his diaries. And his diaries, according to all sources, are extremely detailed that he kept as insurance policies. And what you're going to find out is the media's incredible attempt to connect Donald Trump to this guy were, again, ridiculous, blatantly obvious for what they were. Oh, look, he was friends with Donald Trump. I, I, I'm going to do this on my program in the morning, Rory. I've gone back. I've read numerous articles about Jeffrey Epstein, dated 2014, 15, 2016, before the election. They all talk about Jeffrey Epstein and his corruption and his pedophilia and his circle of influence, and they all talk about Bill Clinton. Not one single article from any of those newspapers, including the Daily Mail and the Sun and some of these tabloids from England, not one of those papers ever mentions Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't become, you know, closely associated with Jeffrey Epstein until he becomes president of the United States and irritates these people. Then they want to tie him here. But the fact of the matter is Bill Clinton made more than two dozen flights on the Lolita Express. Bill Clinton yep. and, and Bill Richardson and... George, uh, the, the senator from Maine, George Mitchell, and all of these folks, their names are in these diaries. And that yep. diary is worth more than cash. And that's why it was locked in this huge safe on Pedophile Island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And that's what they're finding down there. So my prediction is that there's a whole train load of, of you know, who have you not heard from? I haven't heard a peep from Bill Clinton about this. I haven't heard a peep from Hillary Clinton about this. They're kind of hiding under a rock because they're scared. Uh, Bill Richardson, where is he? Seriously, think about this. The, the, the former governor of New Mexico, former cabinet member for President Bill Clinton, closely tied to the Clintons in fundraising and activities and everything else they did. They traveled together on this plane. How come we haven't heard from him? Where is he? I'm telling you, he's got his head under a rock hiding somewhere. You know, think about putting a, a bed sheet around his own neck because he is in big trouble because those diaries, that's what I predict. I don't know what all the dirt's going to be. I don't know who killed the guy, and I don't know if we ever will know. But I know those diaries, if they're ever exposed, those are the Pandora's box of the rich and powerful men that exploited children in human trafficking and sexual deviancy that should all be held to account. And I don't care if they are Republicans or Democrats or Independents. Or, or whatever they are, they all need to be held to account. If they, are, if they are implicated and there's evidence that says that these people did these things, they should be held to account and they should pay for
for whatever crimes they committed and pay in full. And that doesn't mean committing suicide. That means rotting in a jail cell for 50 years. Very, very well said. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I, I, I do want to shift topics just a little bit. I want, I want to ask you, you know, this, this was a big news out today, and I, and I think this is really not getting enough headlines, and I think it needs to get a lot more. Uh, it's very significant. I mean, you had all these past leaders that never did this, but finally it's been done. President Trump ending welfare dependency for immigration and saving taxpayers billions of dollars. Think about that. I mean, this is unbelievable. It, it, it is incredible. You know what that makes Donald Trump? Racist. Come on, it's such an easy thing. He's, he hates brown yeah. people, and he hates children, and he hates uh, old people, and he's, and he's off. Now, remember, remember now, these are all the same clowns that told you John McCain was a racist, that made fun of Mitt Romney because yeah. he had a uh, an African-American grandchild that was adopted into his family. Oh, look, he's got his token grandchild in there. These are the things that the loving Democrats and liberals said about Republicans. Now, do you believe Mitt Romney's racist? No. John McCain? No. Donald Trump? No. I mean, he hung out with Rosa Parks and got the Ellis Island Award in 1986. You know, for, what did he do to earn that award? He helped out poor black kids in New York City. That was the, the basis for his Ellis Island Award in 1986. So now, of course, he's president. He looks at these things. He goes, this is financially irresponsible, offering cash money to all these people coming to the country illegally, which is about 23 or 24 million that live here illegally, according to the actual studies that have been done by universities, Ivy League studies. It's not 11 million. It can't magically stay 11 million people for 20 years. So, yes, this is a big deal, but he will be called a racist. And Kamala Harris, who's pretending to be an African-American woman, which she's not, uh, will be out there crying about the struggle and how black children are being taken advantage of. And Cory Booker, you know, the son of of a pair of IBM executives, a a child who had more privilege than you and I will ever know, Rory. Uh, Cory Booker will talk about how people are struggling and and they haven't been given a fair shake. He doesn't know anything about struggle. Kamala Harris doesn't know anything about struggle. They don't know what it's like to grow up in the back road of Michigan. You know, you know what I had? I didn't have white privilege. I had American privilege, the privilege to get up and bust my ass and make something of myself. That's what I have. And you know what? So does everybody else born in this country. And when Donald Trump says, you know what? Citizenship means something. Citizenship means something. It has value. It's not just some worthless thing because we'll let millions of people flood across the border and have open borders and sanctuary cities and states like California. No, citizenship means something, and I will protect you, the American citizen first, and that's what he did again today. You nailed it. He did it again today, and that's looking out for you and I. It's taking the slings and arrows because he's going to take them, and you know he's going to get called every name in the book, and the New York Times is going to call him names, and, and the Washington Post is going to call him names, and people on MSNBC are going to have, you know, Histrionic attacks right there on air, which should be fun to watch, I might add. Uh, but that's what's going to happen, and they're going to, you know, they're going to spew venom and talk crazy, and he's the end of the world. And you know, I, I said this this morning. You know what I noticed this morning, Rory? This is really cool. I noticed this this morning. I, yeah. I'm, I'm on the air at six in the morning Eastern time. I looked out the window about seven o'clock this morning. I said, "My God, the sun rose again today, and it's a beautiful day." And you know what? Donald Trump is still president. And, and the right. left can continue to tell me that the sky is falling and it's all coming to an end. And Donald Trump, the last president, is all going to hell in a handbasket. And I look and I said, the sun rose again today. And America is doing better in the economy. And good things are happening. Yes. And people I know are going to work. 
and getting more money and their kids are going to school and they're able to pay for it and there's more opportunity and more cranes in the air. I don't know how it yeah. is where you live, but I think there's cranes in the air and construction going on and good things are happening. And I feel good and proud to be an American today, just like every day of my life, because God blessed me enough to be an American. And Donald Trump recognizes that being an American has actual value and it means something. And God bless him for that. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, uh, I mean, he, he is by far the best president ever in history. Uh, he's fulfilled nearly 80% of his agenda within less than three years. Again, that's nearly 80% of his agenda. Most presidents after eight years don't even fulfill 10%. I mean, this is unbelievable. We're living in a time like never seen before, and it truly is a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, we have a guy who is the first ever to self-fund and not be owned and basically (laughs) make whatever decision he wants and speak his mind, and I'll tell you, uh, it's a real gift. Let's be square. Most of those candidates you talk about, whether it's president or any other elected office, and you say they don't fulfill 10% of the promises they make, that's, that sounds about right to me. And, and the reason that is, right, is because most of those people never intended to, to, to complete those jobs or to keep those promises. Right. The commitment they made meant nothing. They were just trying to get elected, and then they'd figure out what they're going to do. Let me give you an example. Free, free college for everybody, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, that might sound great, and that might work in some places, and hey, more power to you. And, you know, a lot of kids can graduate from high school now with college credits, you know, that they've already got. And I like that. That's great. My kids are going to do that. That's great. But the, but the right. bottom line is you're not going to forgive all that college debt because if you do, first of all, I want college debt reparations to me. I want my reparations for college that I paid for, number one. Number two, right. you can't afford to do that. She knows. Come on, Rory, get in line. You and I get college, uh, college reparations because we spent money, right? And that's BS we don't get. So anyhow. She can't afford to do that. She knows that. It's a damn lie, and she knows it, but she throws it out there because it's easy for, for the people to gobble up. Kamala Harris today got, a, got, you know, uh, got the what for from about a 90-year-old woman at an at a old folks' home telling her, don't mess with my health care. And she goes, oh, no, you'll be able to keep whatever health care you want. That's not what she said a week ago on TV when she said, oh, no, 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 private health insurance will not be part of your employer deal, and it's going to be gone. And does a well, you know, it depends. Are you pandering to the woman here or are you pandering to the audience on The View? Who are you pandering to today? I mean, pandering today, maybe that should be a program you and I put together, Rory, for the world to watch. Here's pandering today. Our biggest pandering moment comes from and fill in the blank from whichever politician is lying because they don't fulfill any of the promises because they don't intend to because they know damn well it's not possible. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'll tell you. I mean, it's, you know, we – we are living in a time like never seen before. Um, I do want to get my panel's thoughts. Uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Dr. Branch, are you there? Yeah. I am. Thank you very much. First, thanks for being on the show tonight. I'll tell you what, I could listen to you all night long. And, you know, a lot of a lot of topics were discussed tonight, and uh, man, you, you you do an amazing job addressing them. Um, I wanted to get your impression, since you're uh, from Michigan, uh, what your thoughts were of the Democratic national, I mean, uh, debates, especially your uh, a lot of the representatives from your state were there talking about, you know, how they hate Orange Man, and you know how. He doesn't like you, uh, and I wanted you to address that. But also, 
on August 2nd, Biden said he expects to, if he's elected president, he will ban all fossil fuels. And <laughs> you were talking about the pipelines and all that going up through Michigan. Uh, sure. And, and how that will resonate in Michigan. And third, in Alabama, where is the best hog hunt? Because I'm going down to Alabama for a month and I want to go <laughs> hunt some hog. Bruton, Alabama, baby. Bruton, Alabama, right there north of the Panhandle. Love that part of the country. Uh, okay, you know, I'm going uh, down to Dothan, so I. Yeah, Bruton, well, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, Bruton, I've been into a place called Dozier Camp, and uh, it's been a few years. But you get into places like the Panhandle of Texas. I'm going to do a little uh, deviate here for a second about uh, hunting because hunting is the backbone. Those that hunt and fish in America really are a big chunk of the backbone of America. And the great thing about those that hunt and fish, it crosses all income levels. It crosses all ethnicities. It crosses across all age brackets. These are just people who understand family, and they understand responsibility, and they understand stewardship of the environment, not radical idiots that carry on about global warming and how, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that, we're going to destroy fossil fuels. No, we are conservationists. We're not environmentalists. Environmentalists are, are political activists. The conservationists, people like myself and you, Doctor, we're people that actually participate, and we care that the environment's clean and clean water and clean air and all these things because we consume what we kill. I, I, I eat free-range organic red meat. My freezer's stuffed with it because my family, including my 14-year-old daughter who's very prolific at um, shooting deer and, and taking them home with us. Uh, Free-range organic uh, red meat is how we feed our family. So when we get involved with a hog hunt or we go fishing in the Great Lakes, we consume this. We're more concerned about the quality of the water in Lake Michigan or the soil in Alabama or Ohio or other places that we might hunt than the average consumer because we eat what comes from the land, and that's important to us. And that's really important to us. And, and I wonder, I wonder in this whole conversation about, you know, uh, farm animals are part of the problem with uh, methane destroying the planet. I'm, I mean, are we going to talk about dinosaur flatulence and whitetail flatulence and turtle flatulence? I mean, anyhow, it's so absurd at some point. And that's not to say we don't have global warming. We do have global warming. It's real. I know because I have the Great Lakes here. Because about 12,000 years ago, we came to the end of an interglacial period, and the glaciers began to melt. Otherwise, where I'm standing tonight would be under just about two-thirds of a mile of solid ice, as it was 12,000 years ago. But instead, that ice melted. The glaciers receded. We got Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, Lake Superior. We got the Mississippi River. We got Cajun food out of it, Doctor, because we got the Mississippi Delta. You understand? So this is important to me, and I like Cajun food a lot. And so these are all people that are products of global warming. So I kind of am a big fan of global warming. It makes Michigan a better place every day. But let me address your question about fossil fuels. Michigan has great reservoirs of natural gas. Uh, we have a fair amount of oil as well. Uh, and, by the way, we take that out of the ground using, you know, fracking, which is not a dirty word. And, and fracking has been going on in Michigan now for six, for, since 1949. You think about that. Uh, since 1949, Michigan was the first state that tried hydraulic fracturing. We've been doing it since 1949. You know how many significant problems we've had with it since? Zero. We don't have contaminated groundwater. <laughs> We're not having earthquakes. We're not having issues. What we have is an access to a lot of energy. So energy is important. And energy on demand is the most important. I don't have anything against windmills. I don't have anything against solar panels. I just know that under current technology, it doesn't work for the masses. It may work for a small farm, and if you put some solar panels on the roof of your house, 
that may cut your electric bill. I'm all for that. You want to do that? That's great. But it's not going to power semi-trucks across Nebraska. It's not going to push trains across Montana. It's not going to work that way. That takes energy on demand, and the best energy density is fossil fuels, be it oil or natural gas or coal. These are the things, and and you know this, doctor, but America from its inception has been run on large quantities of cheap energy. If we didn't have large quantities of cheap energy, America wouldn't be what it is today. But America was blessed. More natural resources than any piece of real estate in the world. More timber, more water, more gas, more oil, more farmland that's fertile and wonderful than any single piece of real estate on earth, bar none. And so trying to get rid of fossil fuels is a fool's errand. We need energy on demand. When people turn their light switch on, they actually expect the lights to come on. When it's hot and they want air conditioning, they expect that to happen. You know, right. and so trying to ban fossil fuels, is, it's, it's silly. And it's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's, just, it's a fool's errand, sir. Right. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Well, such an honor to talk to you, good sir, and I, I think I'm speaking to the choir when I say that uh, the media are probably the most despicable people that you could come across, uh, at least the modern-day media, and I, I think there's a, a chance that people are forgetting about more, these other despicable class of people, and they're called the judges, and what we're seeing right now is uh, many, many court cases that are uh, being used to actually you know, justifiably take down these big institutions that are doing wrong to our country, to our people. Uh, but they're getting dismissed in the courts. Uh, you know, one example could be the Covington Catholic kid that had a $250 million lawsuit against uh, Washington Post, for example, and uh, it, it was just flat-out dismissed. There's no arbitration. Nothing happened. And, of course, all in the meanwhile, you have these, you know, verified checkmark media account figures, and they were ab- absolutely doing the most kind of uh, provoking of violence towards this, this little, you know, minor, this boy, uh, you know, soliciting sexual favors to attack them and just, I mean, just the terrible, terrible things. It's violence. And it, it's an absolute double standard because these accounts are still up. There's no, you know, no, nothing's being done about this obvious provoking of violence towards, you know, Republicans, Americans that support a president. Uh, we see it even in the modern day, of course, when you, people are saying on the media, you know, stab that uh, Mitch McConnell in the heart and all this like terrible, you know, violent attitude. Uh, let's uh, poison these Trump supporters and put, you know, harass them and just terrible things. And it, it's being told to everybody through the media, and they're not getting, at, you know, uh, facing any justice, any consequences for what they're doing. It's, it's flat out terrorism, and uh, again, nothing is being done about it at all. We've had, you know, control of every branch of government for, you know, the, those two years we first had Trump in office, it's only gotten tremendously worse. We're, we're losing in, in this entire sphere uh, that I'm talking about. And another example right now is Sheriff Joe Arpaio, a political figure, very important person, of course, and he has a $300 million lawsuit that he's targeting at uh, CNN. Uh, it was the uh, Rolling Stones and Huffington Post, and they had called him a convicted felon. Uh, he was never a convicted felon. And they said he went to prison. That never happened. And he's absolutely you know, slandering his good name, you know, to the entire world. Uh, just absolute false, you know, baloney. And what's happening is you're going to see uh, most likely that the judges are just going to dismiss it. He's going to get nothing out of it. And he's just going to be swept under the rug. Like, I mean, this happens in, in so many cases all over the place. So uh, my real question to you is, do you ever think that, you know, there's a chance, any, any way to, to get around this, any way to, like, actually seek justice. We see it, again, with the Epstein case and um, all these, you know, false flag terrorist attacks and the media just says all this, you know, 
scripted story, and it's, it's all a bunch sure. of baloney. And I, I just don't see any way of seeking finding justice or changing the system without you know actually something executive being done or just some like absolute overhaul of, of but the system. But something executive is being done, Kevin, that, and that's the beauty. And so I, it's a two-part question. And, and and here's where I'm going to go with it. First, I'm going to start with social media, and then I'm going to go to the judges. But social media, and a lot of people that listen to me have a couple of concerns with my position on this, but my position is that the social media companies, the big platforms, Facebook and Twitter, are entirely too large, and they have entirely too much power. And when, when you hear from Google executives that they've got their thumb on the scale from whistleblowers, you know damn well they do, but you actually have whistleblowers that say they've got their thumb on the scale and they're trying to swing the election. I mean, a guy came out and said Google probably swung two and a half to ten and a half million votes to Hillary Clinton in 2016 based on their algorithms and the things that they did. That's entirely too much power. When Facebook and Twitter can go out and swing votes and influence elections and censor conservatives all the way through. Now, um, I get if you put something offensive or hateful on there, but censoring Mitch McConnell's team because they put up a video of people threatening Mitch McConnell outside of Mitch McConnell's home, that should probably be allowed. The point that I'm getting at is they're too powerful. And in 2019, we have the town square, and the town square is an electronic place. It's a virtual place. It's a place where we communicate because the way we communicate in 2019 is not the way we communicated in 1919. We communicate by electronic medium, by social media. And when these companies put their thumb on the scale, they're affecting and in actuality impacting my First Amendment rights. I believe that. The problem that I get and the challenge that I get is I am a free market guy. I own companies. I get it. And I don't want the government telling me how to run my company. But damn it, when you have a forum that is supposed to be a forum for all and you treat certain groups of people unequally and unfairly, that cannot stand the same way that AT&T and Ma Bell couldn't stand back in the 70s. This cannot stand today. I go back to Teddy Roosevelt and the trust busting, but these are monopolies. When you've got Amazon that controls 38% of everything that is sold online today, plus they're in line to get this, this sugar sweetheart deal from, from Mad Dog Madison, the DOD uh, cloud deal for the Department of Defense and all the computing that, that looks like they're still going to pull off, then – then Amazon is too powerful, and we should look at that collectively. The government should rein that in. The same thing with Twitter. If Jack on Twitter can just say, oh, we're just going to block this guy and knock this guy, but we're going to promote these tweets, we're going to put this point of view out there. Now, keep in mind, Twitter's not real. Most people don't use Twitter. Twitter's kind of a cesspool, really, an electronic cesspool. And it's okay, but it does have some impact and some influence. And Democrats should learn, however— you can't govern by what's popular on Twitter today. They seem to be a little bit distracted by that. But it does have power. It does have the ability to put your voice out there. And restricting people's voices in 2019 should not be allowed, should not be allowed to stand. We should be able to stand up and say, that's not going to be the way it's going to be. Maybe there should be some rules that I don't want to – I hate when people say, oh, it's the, it's the social media bill of rights. It's not the bill of rights. There's one bill of rights. You don't have a bill of rights as a consumer. You don't have a bill of rights as anything else. One bill of rights. But you should have some rules governing – the use, application, and dissemination of information on electronic means and social media that is universal to some extent, I believe. Now, to the second question of judges. Donald Trump, you say, can you impact something? Yes, you can. You can impact the judiciary by voting for Republicans on the United States Senate. On balance, they're generally better than the Democrats. Not always true, but generally true. I wonder about Rick right. Scott of Florida lately, but 
uh, generally better. And Donald Trump has put 140-plus federal judges in place, plus two justices on the United States Supreme Court. That makes a difference. Look at some of the decisions that have been handed down recently, five, four decisions. I mean, these are all super important. Go ahead. We do got to go to commercial here in the next couple minutes. Um, I do want to go to Michael Valsi. Michael, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with everything. It's great to have you on, uh, Steve. It's a uh, great a pleasure to listen to you. I uh, I would just like to mention this. I, I really think that the president is just such a master at the way he's taken away their base. He's taken away those most of those middle-of-the-road voters, and, and he swung them to the, to the conservative side. Really, all they have left is their radical wing that's supported by the mainstream media, fake news. The base, their actual base is fleeing them radically. I don't think you're going to see an election in 2020 where the, where the, Republic, where the Democrat is able to draw that many votes as Hillary did. Now, we know some of those were stolen. But she yeah. actually ran... She she ran more, I would say more moderately than anybody they're putting up the run right now. You know, we no don't question. know who the candidate's going to be. It looks to me like all the other ones have fallen flat on their face, so they're kind of putting their all their eggs in uh, in Elizabeth Warren's basket. But I don't think she's going to be the last person standing either. They're just so far radical, and the country being center right, a Judeo Christian country. They're they're just not buying it, and he's he's gotten he has the largest number of Hispanic and Black support of any presidential candidate on the conservative side in 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 probably in history. I look for yeah. this to be at least an, 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 as big as Reagan's victory in '84, and you know, um, being from the state of Michigan, you'll appreciate this. I was talking to my sister and her and some friends went up to Mackinac over the weekend, spent three days. Nice. She was just amazed at how many Trump signs, how many carvings yeah. in the in the farmers' fields, all supporting Trump. And then when they got up to Mackinac, all of the shops that had Trump shirts and Trump hats. Uh, I said that's yeah, encouraging. Absolutely true. You know. So I, I know you're kind of short, Roy, and you got to take a break. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, no, I, I, lo- I love how more and more people are coming to the Trump train, but I'll let you respond. Uh, 30 seconds, uh, uh, go, go ahead, I, Steve. Well, it's that, it, I want to hit one point about how Democrats are, are, are shying away from this extreme liberal message they're getting. And, and here in Michigan and across the country, it's, the, it's one of these topics that we haven't touched much on at, at all today. It's quick, just a push on demand. You've got to go to commercial. I do, I do got to go to commercial Guaranteed. in like 25 seconds. Democrats do not want abortion on demand of a full-term child. All Democrats I talk to cannot stomach that. Even pro-choice Democrats say that's a step too far for them, way too far. It doesn't play here or anywhere else. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, Steve, please tell everybody where they can connect with you, and uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. SteveGruber.com. SteveGruber.com. SteveGruber.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. Uh, at Steve Gruber, I think is the handle on Twitter, but SteveGruber.com, the place to get started. Thank you, Rory. Absolutely. It was a pleasure having you on, sir. We'll definitely have you back soon. Thank you. We'll be right back, everybody.
Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, and the 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing the brand-new 24-7 network, and many notable people will be doing their own show. My good friend, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, will be the main faces of the site. 
I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show our next guest, um, very, very, very talented guy, uh, political activist, congressional candidate, Senate candidate, lobbyist, and popular talk show host, David Weichel. David, how are you? Welcome to the show. Sorry about the delay. Oh, I'm good, Rory. Uh, it's been good to listen in on um, the other things you guys have been talking about tonight. So how are you? Ab- absolutely, my friend. Well, your first time on the show, so please tell everybody a little bit about yourself, kind of give a bio, you know, tell us how it all started for you and all the different adventures you've been on and this, this journey. You've done quite a lot in your life. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just uh, an average American Joe. You know, uh, I grew up on a country road. Um, in Edgefield County, South Carolina. And, um, you know, a few years later, um, I was a freshman in high school uh, when 9-11 went down. I uh, saw, uh, you know, smoking towers uh, in history class. Uh, saw the first tower go down in that same class. Went to uh, Navy ROTC, Junior ROTC the next period. Saw the, the next tower go down. And, um, you know, I have... Uh, in my family, there's a, a history of service. You know, my father did eight years in the Navy. Uh, both of my grandfathers served, one in the Army, uh, one in the Marines. Um, a lot of their you know, extended family that did time in the service. And so when 9-11 went down, um, you know, even though I was you know, a freshman in high school, I knew that I was going to sign up and do my part when the time came. And, uh, you know, Three years later, uh, 17 years old, and I signed my contract with the Marines, uh, shipped off to Paris Island uh, a few months after I graduated from high school, uh, after I turned 18, and uh, did four years, uh, went to Iraq, um, was there during what's commonly known as the surge, 2007-2008. I was in uh, the most what had been the most dangerous city in the most dangerous province in Iraq and the most dangerous part of the world at the time. And I saw what big government gone wrong um, looked like. Uh, and even though we had a, a very peaceful deployment, um, I did see a little bit of combat. And it, uh, all of the, these things uh, affected my view of what our government is supposed to do at home and overseas and uh, led me to become a little L libertarian. Um, and I ended up becoming very active, um, you know, with things like gun rights because, you know, I've been in a place where people had their rights, um, you know, trampled on, and I didn't want to see it happen here at home. So uh, that's where I am now, and uh, now I'm running against the most powerful man in the U.S. Senate. I'm running against Lindsey Graham in 2020. Wow, my friend, wow. I, you know, I, I, I don't know Lindsey Graham. Never had him on my show, but dude, I'm, ha- I'm happy for you because I'll tell you what. There's certain things about Lindsey Graham I like, but there's also thir- certain things I don't agree with, and I think he's kind of a rhino. You know, I think that we need more. I like that he, the 2.0 Lindsey has the president's back somewhat, but you know, I'd rather have a real conservative in there. I really would, and uh, you know, you. You are uh, very much by the con- go by the Constitution. I mean, you're you're a by the book conservative. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something that, you know, um, for people who live outside of South Carolina, they see Lindsay on TV. They don't yeah. understand you know, Lindsey Graham the same way that people who follow him uh, do, you know. And uh, Lindsey Graham 2.0, which we saw um, kick off at the end of the Kavanaugh hearings um, in 2018, that was the unofficial kickoff of his 2020 campaign because Lindsey Graham uh, gets primary challengers um, every time he goes forward. Uh, obviously, I'm one of those people this year. And he has to appeal to conservatives. He has to appeal to constitutionalists. He has to appeal to Republicans and small government people. But the problem is that the uh, federal debt has gone up tremendously uh, since he was first elected in the 90s, and gun rights have been eroded um, since he's been elected. And he's the guy now. He's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and in March, he was introducing um, – he introduced the concept of red flag laws, you know, uh, and after El Paso, he, he talked about red flag laws. Uh, before that, he um, helped push for fixed NICs, and he pushed for uh, days after the Pulse nightclub shooting. He was talking about uh, no-fly, no-buy, which was this concept of if you're on the no-fly list, then you shouldn't be able to go and buy a gun. Well, there are a lot of problems with that, uh, the least of which is the fact that people don't find out that they're on the no-fly list until they go to fly. And when you have toddlers or infants that show up on the no-fly list because they have a name similar to someone who's been put on the no-fly list, you know that we have issues. You know, Ted Kennedy was on the no-fly list at one point in time when he was a sitting senator you know, from Massachusetts. Right. So there were all sorts of problems there, uh, the least of which is, of course, what I've just described. Yeah, and so, so obviously – there, Lindsay, Lindsey Graham does have a, quite a few flaws. I, I think that's a given. Um, what, 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 are, what are your chances looking like? I mean, do you think you really have a legitimate chance? I, you know, obviously going up against him, the only thing that he has going for him is he's been there forever and people know who he is. But uh, obviously it sounds like you can give him a run for his money. Well, obviously, I'm, I, you know, I believe in myself, and I know that I can do it. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, making sure that the people here in South Carolina realize that together we can all do this. You know, because once he's been in power for 24 years, 24 years, yeah. and the things yeah. that he's harping on now, you know, talking about trying to fix immigration. Why wasn't he fixing immigration, you know, in the 90s when Bill Clinton was in office, when Bill Clinton was talking about immigration the same way that Donald Trump was a couple of years ago? You know, uh, where, where's that Lindsey Graham? Why didn't he help Bill Clinton back then? Um, and the other things that he's proposed with immigration, um, one of his nicknames around here in South Carolina um, is Gramnesty because he was part of the Gang of Eight. He wanted to have amnesty, you know, and there are – there's compassionate solutions to our immigration problem, but we shouldn't just say, all right. Because you came here, because uh, your parents brought you here, you should be able to just stay here forever. You know, I believe that there are, are certain things that we have to do, and there are certain things that we can do that are compassionate, not just for, um, you know, the American people and uh, legal immigrants, but 
for, you know, like DACA kids. And unfortunately, Lindsey Graham is all out of solutions. You know, all of his ideas are old because he's an old man who is a part of the swamp. And getting back to this idea of backing Trump, you know, uh, Lindsey Graham didn't go to the RNC in 2016. And the reason he didn't go is because he was a never-Trumper. He didn't vote for Trump in 2016. He voted for someone else, you know, and it's only been since, you know, uh, 2.0 kicked off, you know, with the Kavanaugh hearings that we've seen him try to gravitate towards the president. And so for, for people who are diehard, make America great again, keep America great types, uh, the red hats for Trump, that sort of thing, these diehard uh, Trump people, you need to realize that Lindsey Graham is only – he only cares about getting reelected. He doesn't care about Donald Trump and his agenda. He doesn't care about the things that you care about because if he cared about those things, he would have done those things already. You're absolutely right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I mean, don't forget who his best friend was, John McCain, uh, Lindsey Graham. And, you know, I, I want to ask you, um, is, this, is this your first time running for the Senate? I know you have ran for Congress before, but this is your first time running for Senate, right? Well, uh, I ran for the South Carolina State House of Representatives in 2018 against a rhino um, as a libertarian, a big L libertarian. And uh, this is my first federal run. And so this is this is also my first Senate run. Man, I, I think this is exciting. I think this is great. And, uh, you know, what what are some of the biggest problems facing South Carolina right now that you would address? Well, honestly, um, the biggest problems that are in South Carolina um, mm -hmm. can't really be addressed at the federal level, and they shouldn't be addressed at the federal level. But there are things that we can do that will alleviate problems for people here in South Carolina. Uh, one of those things is decentralization and localization of power. And that means that we have to – we're not going to try and, and make the states more powerful. We're not going to try and make cities or counties more powerful. What we're trying to do is take power away from the federal government because the federal government has too much power. Honestly, states, cities, and counties have too much power. But if we start from the top, you know, we start dismantling things from the top, it would be a lot easier for people to focus on their state and local politics and keep those good old boys, you know, in Columbia, um, Tallahassee, wherever they happen to be in the country, keep them in line. And, you know, that means taking a sledgehammer to the deep state. There are a lot of agencies that were formed temporarily or they were formed because of emergencies, and they, those agencies have got to go. And uh, one of them that I think you'll agree with that a lot of people will agree with is the FBI. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. And, you know, and it's – we have – you know, there there are a lot of things in – we're dealing with, you know, in this country right now, and we need more people to have the president's back. You know, not enough people in Washington are, are out for his best interests, and a lot of them are only out for their own self-interests. And it's, you know, it's, it's scary. It, it really is. Well, I mean, we had, we, yeah. had a, we had an attempted coup, a soft coup, you know, um, from people within the deep state. You know, they tried to uh, do things. You know, there were these FISA warrants that were authorized for, you know, uh, BS, you know, reasons. 
and reauthorized for more BS. And, you know, I've told people for years, you know, during the, the whole Russia debacle, I said, okay, look, if Donald Trump did these things, if people within his campaign did these things that you're alleging, show me the proof and let's get them out of power. And, you know, everyone who got arrested, everyone who got charged around Trump and Trump's campaign, they were either charged for things that people would look at and say, wow, that doesn't really seem like the punishment fits the crime, you know, um, like Michael Flynn. Uh, or um, it was someone who did things before they were associated with the Trump campaign. Um, like, gosh, the name eludes me right now. Um, but interfering with um, elections in Ukraine, you know, nothing that happened with Trump directly. And so with that, it's a matter of, okay, he's the president. He's done these things. He's trying to do more. He's trying to do these things that he promised the people he would, he would do. Right. You know, Congress has the, has the ability to make these things happen. They have the ability to obstruct. And right now that's what they're doing. What are the courts doing right now? They're obstructing everything that happens. You know, you look at the left coast, not the west coast, the left coast, Oregon, Washington, mm -hmm. California, and they're costing their taxpayers millions and millions of dollars because every time Trump does something, they are trying to obstruct them in the courts. And that's hurting the people in Oregon, Washington, and California. And it's hurting people in middle America as well, but indirectly. Right. What are what are the first three things you would do if you got elected? What are the first three things you do? Uh, I would Just repeal. I I would repeal all gun laws. Every single one. They're all unconstitutional. Um, I would repeal the Sixteenth Amendment. That's what authorizes the income tax. And I would repeal the Seventeenth Amendment, which. Uh, deals with direct, direct election of U.S. senators because you do those three things and amazing things happen. So if you abolish the income tax, the federal government has to rely on funds from the states in order to operate at that point. Um, the federal government would have to make necessary cuts all across the board. Um, if you get rid of direct election of U.S. senators and you return that more to the states, you're restoring the republic because the Senate is supposed to represent the states, the individual states, and the House is supposed to represent we the people. And if your states are electing your senators, you're more focused on who you're sending to your state capital. Um, you're able to keep an eye on them. You're hounding them, whoever your personal representative is, whoever your state senator is, whoever your delegate is, whatever the, the terminology is for your particular state, you're able to hound them. You're able to stay on top of them because suddenly that person who may represent 35,000 people is a lot more important than Joe Wilson who represents me in the U.S. House. It's a lot more important than Tim Scott or uh, Lindsey Graham or anyone else like that. And all of these things make Washington less powerful, and it makes the people, the individual, more powerful. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree with you 100%.
Absolutely. Uh, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show, but I wanted to get your thoughts. What do you What do you make of this whole Epstein situation? Um, I think that it's hilarious because I think that it was what a week before maybe uh, the FBI was looking at uh, cons- considering conspiracy theorists to be uh, domestic terrorists or domestic terror threat, and you know I woke up that morning and I looked at my phone and I was scrolling through Facebook catching up on social media. I spent a lot of time doing that, uh, running a Senate campaign, and uh, came across something, and someone said, Epstein just died. And I was like, no. And I found the link, and the story was less than a half hour old, and so I posted about it. And over the weekend, what I saw and what most people saw and what the mainstream media saw eventually was that 98% of people believe that Jeffrey Epstein – was um, a victim of arcanicide, if you're familiar with the term. Um, And 1% believe the media narrative that he actually committed suicide. And then uh, three people, you know, on 4chan spread this message that um, Mossad or CIA or someone else snuck him out and he's either in witness protection or he's in Israel or he's on a tropical island somewhere and the the crazy conspiracy theory is not that Jeffrey Epstein was killed by the Clintons um, or some other elite while he was in uh, secure federal custody. The crazy conspiracy theory is that Jeffrey Epstein is alive somehow. And um, I just I find that weird. Uh, you know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I've seen the pictures of his earlobes. I've seen the pictures comparing, um, you know, the nose in one picture to the nose on the gurney, um, and things like that. And I'm not an expert. I think that, um, in once he shows up in court one day, we will never know what actually happened. And even if we were given the truth, um, on a platter, most people won't believe it at this point. Uh, just because there's just been so many crazy things. I mean, look at what happened. Uh, for two and a half years, I think, people were thought that Russia somehow hacked our elections, even though they didn't touch a voting machine, uh, either physically or digitally. Um, and yet, this is the crazy conspiracy theory, not what Rachel uh, Maddow was spouting for two years straight. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, you know, we're dealing with, uh, I mean, this is, pr- this is one of the most bizarre cases I've ever seen. That's for damn sure. Um, tell everybody, you have a radio show. T- tell, tell us about that. It's, uh, it does well. It's number one uh, radio show in South Carolina for political talk. Well, um, Swamp Fox Radio uh, started out on terrestrial radio after we uh, had an informal podcast format here in uh, South Carolina. And we stayed on the air terrestrially for about a year. Um, right. And we we had issues. And then um, we went uh, strictly to Facebook Lives. Um, more interaction there. Um, it allowed us a lot more freedom. Um, but since I've gone on the campaign trail, uh, I'm the only person who runs Swamp Fox at this point, and so Swamp Fox has been shelved uh, because 
Um, you know, South Carolina is a small state. It's much smaller than Arizona, um, you know, from a geographical perspective. But um, it still takes several hours to get from, you know, one place to another if, you know, I'm trying to, to do an event uh, in, say, uh, around Charlotte or, you know, down in Myrtle Beach or something like that. And so uh, I'm focused on my campaign and not so much on doing um, live streams on Swampbox. And honestly, the live streams that I did on Swampbox were very political because I'm a political guy. I've been a political guy uh, for a very long time. You know, if you are a gun owner in America, you have to be political because um, if you if you're not political, your guns are going to get taken away. Your magazines are going to be restricted on how much ammo they can carry. Um, you're going to be restricted on what kind of ammo you can buy. You're going to be restricted on what kind of accessories you can use. You're going to be restricted on um, how quiet your gun is allowed to be. You know, uh, really crazy, really stupid things like that. And so by its very nature, if you are a gun owner in America, you have to be political. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's for damn sure. Uh, we we definitely want to uh, have you back soon, uh, but please tell everybody where they can find you. We do the show's about to end. We only have about a minute left in the show, uh, but please, uh, any plugs you have, anybody wants to connect with you, um, that yeah, whatever you, whatever you want to promote. Yeah, the uh, easiest way to find me is to uh, look up uh, David Weichel. That's W E I K L E for U.S. Senate and uh, on Facebook. And from there, I've got uh, my other links to other social media. But honestly, Facebook is, is where I run most of my social media right now. Um, when I have a larger campaign staff, um, we will be running more social media. But look up uh, David Weichel uh, for U.S. Senate, or you can go to Facebook.com uh, slash uh, Weichel. That's W-E-I-K-L-E-F-O-R-S-E-N-A-T-E. That's Weichel for Senate. Perfect, and, my um, friend. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, um, but uh, thank you for having me on, Roy. I'll, I'll be glad to come on um, anytime in the future. We can talk about guns. We can talk about Lindsey Graham. We can talk about uh, my ideas to uh, make machine guns great again. You know. Well, absolutely. And I wanted I wanted more time with you today, but we were we were so I mean it was the schedule was running late and it was kind of behind so. I'll definitely get either get you back uh, sometime this week or next week, and we'll talk more. Um, and uh, anything else you need to promote, feel free. No, that's it. Um, Michael for Senate. Okay. Uh, go there for the memes. Go there for the policies and the philosophy, and just go there to if if you're that kind of person to um, just post post stuff. Have some fun. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you so much, uh, and we'll have you back soon. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Branch, please tell everybody where they can find you. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Bob Branch. You can find me at drbobbranch.com. That's drbobbranch.com. Thank you for having me on, Rory. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Uh, yes, you can find me at Nationalist United on social media or nationalistunited.com. Exemplary guests and show. I can't wait for tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Always a pleasure. Uh, Michael Valsi, go ahead. 
Thanks, Roy, again for having me. Uh, the shows just seem to get better and better every week. Wonderful guests. Uh, you can find me at Michael Volsey on Twitter, and uh, I'll follow you back. And you're welcome to DM me if you have a question, and look forward to talking to you all again. Always a pleasure, Michael. Thank you. What a show tonight, everybody. What a show. Uh, it's It's been incredible. So many things. Uh, let me just make some quick announcements. Uh, let's see here. Chicago this past weekend, 47 shot and four dead. I mean, this whole gun control, gun control Chicago situation is out of control. And uh, it's sick that the Democrats don't address it. Um, California has denied a request for a straight pride permit. You know, they'll do gay pride all day, but the minute we want to do straight pride, they call it offensive and they call it uh, derogatory. I mean, this is the whole backwards ideology in our society is disgusting and it needs to stop. And this whole liberal liberalism crap. Uh, let's see here. This is a crazy statistic. At least one in nine prison inmates are Muslim across 34 U.S. states. That's insane, everybody. That is insane. And another fact, before we go, FBI, from the FBI, more people are killed by hammers and clubs than rifles of any kind. Remember that, people. So when you hear gun hysteria, it's complete bullshit. Remember that. Uh, Everybody, uh, the stuff I didn't get to tonight, I will have to get to it tomorrow. I'm running very long time. I have like 30 seconds. I want to thank all my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. You are all incredible. Uh, the show just keeps getting better and better. Perfect flow, excellent rhythm, great guests, uh, everything you could want in dialogue. You know, it's, it's, I can't thank you all enough. We will see you all tomorrow night. A lot more big guests and topics uh, to address and, and establish. And, uh, it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'll see you all tomorrow night, everybody. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers. <laughs>